Okay, let me welcome you to another Art of Relationships podcast. Uh, we are coming to you from uh, Biola University and a Center for Marriage and Relationships here. In fact, if you wanted to go see a little bit more about us, you can go to cmr.biola.edu. I'm here with Dr. Tim Muehlhoff. I'm Chris Grace. And um, Tim, talking about the art of relationships, one of the things that happens is in most relationships, there is going to be a single common theme that every relationship and every marriage has, and that's conflict. Um, yeah. You cannot avoid it. I remember someone talking recently about wanting to feel compatible with someone, and they were waiting to find their soulmate. And they were saying <laughs> things like, you know, once I find my soulmate, I will have compat- compatibility. I'll, I'll be complete. We won't argue. I, and if you look up compatibility, I think what they were thinking was, oh, it means there's a lack of problems and a lack of arguments, a lack of conflict. Things go together. And you want to say to people, dear Lord, every (laughs) relationship has conflict. It's endemic. You're not going to avoid this. And so let's talk about that. In comp theory, we call it the inevitability of conflict. It's conflict is going to hit a family. It's going to hit an organization. It's going to hit a marriage, even the best of marriages. Uh, At the Family Life Marriage Conferences we speak at, we have couples turn to each other and we have them say to the person next to them, uh, hey, we fight too. And it gets a huge laugh from the audience because it's true. Even the best of marriages, there's going to be conflict, differences of opinion. And that's actually a good thing, Mm. not a bad thing. Mm. I think it's a good thing as well because uh, from what I'm thinking, why it's good is it simply shows that you are an individual who was created and designed with certain specialties, needs, personality traits, desires, and interests, and so is the other person. Yeah. He, when when he says the two shall become one, a lot of people go, "Well, which one?" You know, it's like, <laughs> "Well, it's not going to be which one." It's there's two people right. here. Yet right. that third entity is the powerful way in which he, God brings together two different people that are different, and it's a very special, unique bond in a relationship that we share with somebody, but. It's inherent that we're going to experience just differences in what we like and what we dislike and That's who right. we are. Uh, a name that is familiar now to our listeners is John Gottman. John Gottman is one of the top marital researchers in the United States. Everybody uses his material, his data. Gottman says this. It always struck me when he said, show me a couple that argues and I can save the marriage. Yeah. Show me a couple that no longer argues. They no longer care enough about the marriage to argue. Yeah. I might not be able to save that marriage. Yeah. And he called that stonewalling, right? Remember, we've talked about that before. Why don't you explain to the listeners what stonewalling yeah. is? Yeah, well, stonewalling is when during times of conflict, each of us have different reactions, right? Some of us kind of process out loud and we want to talk about the, the disagreement or the conflict and get it out on the table. Others are a little bit slower doing some internal processing. But there's also a category of people who feel like when they're in conflict, it's as if they're being attacked or they perceive it physiologically as a a critical, powerful, almost overwhelming sensation. And so to protect themselves, they just simply begin to withdraw, build stone walls. And that's the kind of idea behind this. I I often say to my students um, when I'm talking about stonewalling, the opposite of love is not hate, right? Hate is a very powerful reaction. The opposite of love is indifference. So I can't even get a reaction out of you, right? You're not even going to invest enough emotionally to have this argument because you've checked out of the relationship, either emotionally, uh, uh, psychologically, or even physically. You just literally leave the room when we start to have this disagreement. Mm -hmm. And Gottman would say, boy, that right there, 
I can handle hate because I can actually work with people who would say, I care enough about you that I actually dislike you right now. But if you tell me, yeah, I'm indifferent towards this person, man, that could be trouble. Yeah. Boy, Tim, I think what happens is it can be very devastating for the other person when someone withdraws. But even just simply being ambivalent or or not caring or even unaware that causes people to to react very yeah. negatively. Can it can simply we show it in a video where we have a mom or a dad interacting with a newborn or a baby that they're used to engaging with, and they kind of give them this unaware or this ambivalent or what we yeah. call a still face and. Infants as young as one and even earlier begin to react very negatively to that parent that shows no emotional reaction to them. And they they start seeking out, you know, crying out literally for, come back, engage with me. Well, it's the same thing. It happens throughout life. Yeah, couples do that, right? I'm used to you engaging me. And now, for whatever reason, you no longer engage me. We're just like that child in the still face experiment. Starts screeching, reaching out to that Uh, mother yelling because I will get a reaction from you and nothing is more frustrating than being in a disagreement and feeling like I'm the only one investing emotion at this point I'm the only one investing anything into this disagreement you're just you've checked out you're not there anymore yep and that checking out I think Tim what happens is we find that what it says to the other person is not 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 just my silence that I, that I'm overwhelmed. I mean, if it just told the other person, okay, listen, I'm physiologically overwhelmed right now. I can't process this. I, I'm building stone walls. I can. Then the other person might at least be able to accept that. But what happens yeah. is, I think it communicates that I don't like you. You are not important to me. I want to. I don't want to be anywhere near you. And that yeah. hidden message that becomes so devastating for the person is, I just simply, you don't matter to me anymore. That's right. Well, that dislike is ne- is powerfully and negatively interpreted. And that's what conflict is about, right? Is recognizing yeah. some of these deeper subtext, we call them, or hidden issues that are going on during times of conflict that we communicate with each uh, to each other. So, Chris, you and I have been speaking at these marriage conferences forever. You and Lisa's, you've been speaking at marriage conferences for how long? Well, almost 25 years. Wow. I think eventually this next year, uh, you know, we were th- married only four years, one of the first time we did it. Like, I'm not sure what we said. I hope there's no tape of it. But it, yeah, close to 25 years. Well, that's amazing. You've been speaking at marriage conferences as long as... As Noreen and I have been married. Yeah. Think about that. Now, we've been speaking for 20 years yeah. with Family Life Ministries, Dennis Rainey's organization. So we thought it'd be fun to uh, tackle this uh, topic of conflict periodically. We think it, it certainly warrants more than just one quick episode. But we thought we would do it this way. So based on 25 years of speaking at marriage conferences and 20 speaking at marriage conferences on our end, what are the reoccurring uh, things that foster conflict that we see over and over and over again at these marriage conferences. Um, do you have one? Do you want me to go first? Yeah, what do you think? Okay, here's mine. So after 20 years speaking at marriage conferences, number one on my list, um, marital affairs. Oh, interesting. Now you might be thinking, what? Most of, most of the couples that go to your conference are having marital affairs? You'd put that like number one? Well, notice... I, we need to define what we mean by an affair, mm. right? Immediately, most of the listeners probably thought, well, you mean romantic affairs, mm-hmm. like with another person. No, no, right. no. I would define an affair as anything that you derive your significance from outside mm. the marriage, yeah. right? So let me say what I think is the number one affair that's causing the most conflict in marriages. Ready? 
a family affair. Yeah. The family is where you're getting all of your um, happiness, you're deriving all of your meaning, and mm -hmm. all of your time, energy goes into raising the kids, yeah. and it no longer goes towards your spouse. Mm -hmm. So really, you're doing a family business, and the business between you and your spouse is raising the kids. Mm -hmm. Once the kids get grown, then couples look at each other and say, man, I don't love you anymore. We haven't invested in this marriage for years. Mm -hmm. So in a weird way, our desire to be really, really, really good parents, I think is causing a lot of conflict in neglected marriages where they're not taking time and energy to work on their relationship. I, I would. It's interesting, Tim, uh, that you call it this affair of the heart, this affair of our attention, this, you know, a family for whatever it is yeah. that pulls people away. I think our biggest non-reaction at marriage conferences is when we tell people, in order to avoid some of these things right here, you need to be sure and have a weekly date night. Oh, okay. yeah. So yep. guess what? Oh. Boy, especially if you're talking to young couples, they look at you like, you have got to be kidding me. A weekly date night that I invest in, we I think there's probably less than 20% of the couples out there oh, who yeah. have a weekly date yeah. night and which we tell them, listen, one of the reasons and purposes is not to go out and you don't have to have a huge elaborate date that spends right. all this money That's at a right. very you know expensive restaurant. You could go to a buy one, get one free fast food place, sit there and talk, have just a couple of hours to be together as a couple. And you'd be surprised how many people don't do it. They have all kinds of reasons and excuses. Too yeah. many jobs are too busy. The kids are too busy. We don't have babysitting. It's too expensive. That's right. And I really think, Tim, it's an, an, uh, a possible path towards losing connection with each other if yeah. you don't invest and you don't have that. Uh, it doesn't have to be weekly. It could be every other week, That's at right. least once a month. E even go out and invest in this relationship and hang out with the person, get to know them. Otherwise, 20 years later, oh, man. these kids are grown. That's right. You're not going to know. Them. Well, you know, Chris, um, two quick thoughts about that. Uh, one, that date doesn't even need to be outside the house. I remember when our kids were really young, Right. We would send them upstairs. Right. Turn on a, a video, send them down in front of Barney. God bless that purple <laughs> babysitter. Right. Just for a half hour, an hour. Right. And say, kids, do not come downstairs unless you've seen Jesus physically. Right. Do not come. To, Mom and I just need to have a cup of coffee and we just need to talk and connect. I share a statistic at family life conferences that... Um, people don't believe is true. Mm. I say this, Com Theris will say that the average couple has two to three minutes of interpersonal communication yeah. a day. And they counter and say, no, 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 that's not true. I know I talk to my spouse more than that. Sure, but it's organizational communication, which uh -huh. is, hey, don't forget Tommy's got Taekwondo practice. Don't forget that uh, Karen's got ballet practice. Don't forget, that's all organizational. I'm talking yeah. interpersonal, just yeah. you and your spouse and you're talking about deep things. Most couples, two to three minutes max per day. Boy, and then you got to wonder how much time during that, even that two to three minutes, are they actually paying attention to oh, each other good. if yeah, they're distracted by that's a cell true. phone, a computer screen, kids, you know, your own internal worries and thoughts. You have to turn those off that's to be able to, to pay attention to someone. And so that two to three minutes is probably not even good quality time for many couples. But you're right. This daily, connect, well, weekly, but, but just intentionality yeah. that we're, and by the way, the kids need to see that. Yeah. The kids need to see that, hey, listen, mom is more important. 
my relationship with my spouse is more important. We call that um, derived authority, that mm. we're, we're saying to the kids, you're more important than the marriage. Yeah. And I think we live that out most days, right? Because it's like, hey, um, mom and I aren't getting time together because we're we're taking you all over the city with different practices and events, stuff like that. Weekends are a nightmare. We had mm-hmm. three kids who played sports. Weekends were a nightmare. Yep. We're off in two different directions, two different teams, two different finals of a, of a basketball tournament kind of mm-hmm. thing. And you, and it just starts to take a toll on you. I think of Al and Tipper Gore. Remember yeah. after 40 years of yeah. marriage, yep. Divorce. when uh, she was interviewed, she basically said, you know, um, early on it was about the kids. Then it was about politics. Mm-hmm. And when that all went away, we just didn't have a relationship anymore. And they divorced after 40 years of marriage. So what do you tell couples or uh, people who are in a relationship in which this is becoming an issue? They're not finding that time. They're not finding Good quality time. Well, what's your suggestion? What 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 can they do to turn this around? Uh, we talked about a date night. Uh, we talked about just finding and carving out time, right? I mean, really, it could be finding 10 minutes uh, to connect at some point yeah. in which it's good time to just listen, engage, and ask how your day went, right? Maybe it's about being curious. So what else? What else? Yeah, Chris, I, I think to start small for crazy busy couples, right? I remember when we first got married, the guy who did our premarital counseling, he said something um, I thought was really interesting. He said, hey, for the first year, get into the habit of going to bed at the same time. Mm. And you know, when you do that, there's just that connection moment where you crawl into bed together, right? Well, boy, how quickly that goes away, right? Noreen's tired. I got some work to do. And now seldom we do go to bed at the same time. But I like having those rhythms of saying, hey, once a week, twice a week, we're going to go to bed at the same time. We're going to pray laying in bed and we're going to reconnect. It could be a simple half hour coffee date when the kids are upstairs or the kids are out playing. But something that's in the schedule, I think, is really important to say. We're going to do this once a week, once every other week, but we're going to do it whenever we set this time. I think that that was great advice. We, we, you know, it's funny. We had very similar premarital advice from the couple that worked with us, and uh, they pointed out a very interesting Old Testament passage, kind of a, you know, hidden little gem in there. That's you know, it's in Deuteronomy twenty four five, and it says, "When a man joins the army, yes. right, he Love shall it. not." I mean, Marine memorize this, but go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> he shall not go to war. And to, to the army for a period of one year, this yeah. is a newly married yeah. man, shall not, if he's newly married, go to war for a period of one year in order to stay home and make his wife happy, yes. right? Well, what that meant was you need and couples need. And so what, what this person challenged us to do is said, cut out all of the extracurricular that you can. You can't cut out work. You probably wow. don't want to cut out yeah. going to church. You may not want to cut out you know, a group that you're involved in, but you need to cut as much extracurricular out of there. If you're leading something, don't lead it. Just participate if you're, right. and just attend. And use that time to connect with this person that you are now married to. Establish a great foundation that way. That's I'm right. telling you, it was great advice. We, we did that, yeah. and it just set up a pattern and a habit for us to reconnect on a regular basis. And so what a great thing. And Chris, I have a friend who's a Hebrew scholar, and he swears to me, swears to me that in the Hebrew, that word happy Mm -hmm. has strong sexual connotations. So 
And again, we're, we could be laughing right now because I believe in the word of God should be interpreted <laughs> literally according to the original languages. But at least he's talking about a sense of intimacy, yes, right? That is physical, right. emotional, this yep. connectedness with this yep. person that you have a one flesh relationship yeah. with. Well, let's transition then to this next form of conflict, which is about related to that. And that is when people have an affair that you started, we've been talking about with family that kind of detracts from a person's relationship with their significant other, with their married partner. Um, another significant one related to that is I believe, and it is related, I believe an emotional or physical affair oh. can oftentimes now take the place of these kinds of needs that people have, right? If you're not receiving some of these needs because you are not feeling emotionally satisfied or even physically satisfied in a marriage or relationship, we tend to want to seek that out to get that in other places. So yeah. another conflict that comes in are people's disagreement about how they are relating to members of the opposite sex outside of the marriage. And that conflict can come into play in a variety of ways, right? It's this notion that, um, you know, I think what's interesting about all of this is some of the early research that said men and women differ in the way in which they view affairs. Uh, that is, th that somebody is being, they would ask, for example, um, uh, male and female, they would ask them this question, what would be more damaging oh, to right, you yeah. and more hurtful yeah. to you if you heard that your partner, your spouse was having an emotional affair with somebody or they were having an, a, a physical affair? And men and women differed significantly yeah. on this, right? The men would always say, it would bother me more and I would be more devastated to learn that my spouse was having a physical affair yeah. with another person. And wives were just the opposite. Women tended to say that if they had learned that their partner, uh, their husband or male partner was having an emotional affair, yeah. they would find that more devastating than the physical. Now, both of them are devastating. But I think for some couples, conflict comes in to play when about time. How much time do you spend with another person? How much emotional energy right. do you give to another person with the fear that some of this could happen and lead to a person not feeling satisfied this in this way? And, you know, picking up off this, and again, this is anecdotal, but we know three couples that their marriages have exploded because of Facebook affairs. Mm -hmm. So what happens is, I'm thinking of this one couple, where obviously you see your spouse, your current spouse, you see the, his or her pluses and minuses, you see the dailiness of it, and you start to sanitize the past, mm -hmm. right? You go in the past yeah. and you reconnect with this person from high yeah. school, let's say, or from college yeah. days. And what's so funny is you sanitize that person. Yeah. All of their quirks, all of their negatives, and now you're having this glorified conversation with this person, you're reconnecting emotionally, and you've sanitized all of their weaknesses, and you're constantly reminded of your spouse's weaknesses on a daily basis. Yeah. We know three couples mm -hmm. that have divorced uh, because they were having an emotional connectedness with somebody via Facebook. So yeah, yeah it can be, and, and you get it, right, Chris? I mean, you leave your spouse, you have like, let's say two small kids, your spouse, you leave her and uh, she's got on sweats and socks and a, a t-shirt that has, you know, spit up on it. Mm -hmm. And you go to wherever you work and the secretary, uh, when I was doing grad work, the teaching assistants, right, they're all just, you know, um, smoothing up to you. Mm -hmm. And so every joke you tell, they're like, oh, <laughs> It's just so funny, you know? And then you come back home, your wife is still in the same sweats, she's missing a sock, 
She has more spit up, and you walk through the door, and she goes, here, take your child, and just goes upstairs. And you think, yep. I'd rather be at work. Yep. I'd rather be with the people who think I'm funny, for whatever yep. reason. And that's where I think the emotional affair can start to happen, is I'm getting my emotional connectedness outside the marriage. Boy, uh, what, what ends up happening for these couples, too, is the conflict almost takes on um, a, a hidden, uh, I, I guess you would say they begin to show up in a variety of ways. They start talking about, we're not emotionally connected anymore. I feel distant. I, but they, they talk about this lack of trust, yeah. uh, this lack yeah. of compatibility kind of comes up a little bit, but mostly it's, I just not, I just don't feel connected anymore and I don't trust them. And I just sense that we have gone and grown distant. And that oftentimes can be code for something else is going on right. here uh, where the person is just simply not getting their needs met anymore. They're not being able to find and, and get that emotional attachment. And I believe that is a, a one of the causes of some conflict for some couples. Unfortunately, when it hits that stage, this can be a little bit further down the road. You know, that that notion that conflict is one of the first reasons or unmanaged conflict that couples get a divorce, right? That's what divorce lawyers yeah. will say. You know, if, if a couple gets divorced within the first seven years of marriage, they're almost always going to say it was just simply too much conflict. Yeah. But when they stay and last for about 10 years, <clears throat> what ends up happening is they then report, yeah, there is a lot of conflict. But to be honest, I simply don't feel close to my spouse anymore. And yeah. so they'll say it's a last loss of intimacy. Yeah. Well, look, that shows this progression, this lack of ability to understand and recognize some of the deeper things going on when you argue about money or kids or finances or whatever, you know, or whatever you're arguing about. And then it leads to this unmanaged or overwhelming amount of conflict, which eventually results in this loss of intimacy and people going to need and respond and want to seek that from someplace else. So we tend to see that conflict yeah. showing up in a pattern. We have a fr Tell me what you think about this. We have a friend of ours who's a top marriage therapist, and he's been practicing now for 18 years. He said this to me and Noreen, I'll never forget this. He said, a woman will leave a marriage for many reasons. He says, but a man, he said, in 18 years of marital therapy, I've never met a man who didn't leave the marriage. He was going towards a woman. Mm -hmm. That's why he left the marriage. Mm -hmm. There's always another woman. He had mm -hmm. already connected with this woman emotionally, sometimes physically. Yeah. But he said, when a man leaves a marriage, there's always somebody in the background. And I said, get out of here. In 18 years, you've never had a man leave a marriage for other reason. He said... No, in 18 years, if a man leaves the marriage, he's leaving for another woman. What do you think about that? Well, I, I, I don't think I could dispute it because I think a lot of evidence is out there, uh, anecdotal and just simply in our own personal experience as well, it, both in friends and family and people that we've counseled as well. We have seen that same pattern. Boy. I think the concern, Tim, and tell me what do we do about this, at my marriage conferences where it whether we're at some conference center or at a church or even at a university putting on these events or like you at Family Life nationally at different cities, it's rare that these, these couples show up at these conferences. When they do, they're not very engaged. Mm, they mm, disengage. They yeah. don't seem to be want to be there because they've already made the decision. Yeah. So at, I'll just, it, at a recent conference we were at, a couple comes, and we were surprised to see them there, to be honest, as they were talking with us beforehand. You could tell he was a little bit 
uh, I, I guess the right best descriptor is disengaged. But we were glad they were there. Now, unfortunately, it turned out that was the very last public event that they ever did. Oh. He went as this last, you know, ditch effort to say, oh, listen, I'll go. I'll go listen to this conference. I'll go listen to this person. And within about two weeks after that time, he had confessed that says, listen, you know what? My love for you is no longer there. They had been married 23 wow. years. They had raised wow. three children uh, to almost to adulthood. And he just simply had checked. Now, of course, it turns out there was somebody else involved. Somebody. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and he had probably been involved with this other person yeah. for over five, sure. six years, and his spouse never knew. So I, I guess I was glad that they were there, but I'm not sure how common it is that they show up at these things. When they do, of course, there's still potential for help, um, but this could be a tough sign. But it's what you said that I, I picked up on, last ditch effort, yeah, I right? Think that's right. So what I'm gonna, I'm gonna say is probably gonna shock you. Okay. Right. I don't know much about cars. Did that did that surprise you? <laughs> no. No, okay. I don't. One time one time I came home early in the marriage. My wife said to me, "Honey, the van won't start." And I looked at her and I said, "Bummer." Right? I mean, I was a theater major. What I, I had mind classes. What do you want me to do? Fix an imaginary van in a wind tunnel? I have no idea how to, right? But here's what I've said to each one of my boys. I don't know anything about cars, but I know two things, Chris. One, regularly check the oil yeah. and get the oil changed and get your sparks plugs replaced. If yeah. you do that, the yeah. chance of that car running smoothly greatly increases. Yeah. Here's what I say to couples. Yeah, if you go to a marriage conference once every five years, mm -hmm. once every 10 years, imagine going to a car mechanic yeah. saying, yeah, hey, my car is really acting up. And to be honest with you, man, I, didn't, I haven't changed the oil in about three years. Right? right? These, are, these are the original sparks spark plugs. So what hit me is when you said that couple waited a last ditch effort. Yep. So we're advocating not necessarily a, a marriage conference, though that's great. And we certainly do our own conferences called Going Deeper. But you can check our website, right? Read yeah. a book on marriage. Let me yeah. Pick one book a year on marriage and read it together. Yeah. Or have one spouse read it and both of them talk about it during yeah. those date nights you're talking yep. about. That's but right. to wait till it's a last ditch effort where the car doesn't even run anymore. There's little a mechanic can do with it. So we're saying be attentive to your marriage and tagging on to what we started the podcast with, be attentive to your marriage and don't let all of your time, attention and energy go towards the kids. Yep, or to something else that is a, a substitution, yeah. right? Yeah. It might be technology. It might be just time on Facebook. I think that's I, Tim. I think that's great advice. Get get couples out there before these issues or problems become systemic, because because they you know they start to get built in. You know this this root system starts to develop that right. begins to you know just say that you're going to have some deeper issues and problems. And then for couples in which they fear that this has gotten away from them, they fear and they sense that there. Yeah. maybe some deeper stuff going on. You know, we're going to encourage, uh, like I know you would as well, we're going to encourage them today at this time in situations like that to go talk to someone who's a professional therapist yeah. or marriage yeah. counselor. Uh, go to a pastor. Get started that way. Go, go to somebody who is at least trained in this area. There's wonderful marriage and family therapists out there who right. do for a living. This is what they do. They're driven and, and, and designed almost and 
and have the experience and the background to help couples manage and navigate these things. And no marriage is unsavable when it comes to just this type of issue, right? That marriage in which they're struggling with this, you can make changes. It can be transformed, but it oftentimes is going to take effort. And and when it gets to be, you know, the point where we're now talking about an emotional or physical affair, I think that's when you need to bring in the experts. I'm so surprised that at the the Family Life Conferences we speak at, couples will, at the end of it, just come up to us and say, oh, this was amazing. It's the first time in five years we've gotten away just us. I mean, I hear that all the time. And I think five years without getting your spark plug replaced, five years on that same oil, no wonder it's mucking up the engine of the of yep. the marriage. So again, let's not wait five year intervals. Let's and, and I love what you said earlier in this podcast, Chris. It doesn't need to be every week. It can be every other week. Although I am convicted and you and Elisa have been such great examples to me and Noreen about a date night. Mm-hmm. You got I think you have said that you have regularly done a date night for all 25 years of your marriage. Yeah, all, all 25 years for a little bit of time there, especially when the kids were in Awan. It was ter- it was almost twice a week. Wednesday, we drop them off, right, grab hey, two no, hours. No, and then- no, no. You know, why why <laughs> do that? Not- I was giving you props and you double up on me now twice a week. Well, you know, Noreen and I, we took a whole year every day. Um yeah, that's it is hard to work it into the um it is hard to work it. It's almost like exercise, isn't it? It is. That's right. Where um July fir- uh January 1st comes and you go, "Okay, I'm going to the gym." And you go to the gym and you realize, "I'm massively out of shape." Well, let's not let it get to that point. And so we're saying to our listeners, it's never too late. Yep. Uh, listen to this podcast regularly. Do it as a couple. We, we've purposely made our podcast short yep. so that people can sit down and listen to it and then have a good conversation. We certainly would recommend um, getaways, marriage yep. conferences. We would recommend going to our website. Uh, just get tools and books and, uh, man, even a good movie out yep. there about uh, a good one that uh, has a good perspective of marriage and have a good conversation. By the way, one thing else I would add is you and I are in a marriage group together. That's right. And that has been so great for us. Every other week. We yeah. Meet. Seeing how messed up you and Elisa are just <laughs> encourages me and Noreen saying, honey, right. I'll take our problems any day of the week. No, but it's great to do that, right? Just to hear other people and pray for each other and, and bear each other's burdens. It is. And let me and let's for those listeners out there in which you've got a handle on this, you've been kind of regularly doing a date night, you, you feel strong in your relationship or your marriage, there's maybe areas you want to grow in, but for the most part, you're doing well, and there are those you're burdened for. You're listening to something like this, and you think, man, I worry about my kid. I worry about my parents. I worry about my neighbors. I worry about these friends at church. Let me encourage you. You to go ahead and take a look. Go to the go to our cmr.biola.edu website. You know how many events we have listed on there? We put our, ourselves at this institution, we put on three or four marriage conferences or events locally here, but we also list numerous church events that are going on and places where you can go to a conference. Right. So this isn't th- these things are happening all over. Conference centers, retreat centers from uh, Mount Hermon and Hume Lake. You were just right. up. We were just at Hume Lake, had a phenomenal Phenomenal time uh, at Mount Hermon. But hey, familylife.com, just go ahead and click on conferences. And we have them scattered all throughout the United States, even internationally. Um, so ju- again, the resources are there. We'd love to be a conduit of those resources uh, at the Center for Marriage and Relationships. And give this as a gift 
to someone, buy them a weekend away. If you're a couple that want that has a heart and investment in this, and you don't know how to do anything else, just buy them the gift to get it to this other couple and let them go. And or maybe here's another one. Here's a real quick little tip: take the kids babysit for some couple down the street or this person you say, listen, we're going to take your kids to dinner. You guys go have a date night and be intentional about that's that. That's good. That's good. Well, listen, we've enjoyed having you guys here with us on this uh, The Art of Relationships podcast. Dr. Tim Mulehoff, thanks so much for hanging out. Oh, it's visiting. always great being here, Chris. And uh, so I'll tell you, what, we'll catch you next time with the next topic related to the way in which we do relationships. And so grateful to have you with us. 